Welcome to the Red State Blues, the official podcast of the Wyoming Democratic Party, where we talk with political leaders, candidates, and community members about what life is like living blue in a red state. In today's episode of the Red State Blues, Wyoming Democratic Party Chair Joe M. Barbudo will speak to Roger McDaniel, author, pastor, and former Wyoming State Representative and State Senator, about the differences between Wyoming politics when McDaniel served and Wyoming politics today, as well as how faith and politics intertwine. Deputy Communications Director Lindsay Hanlon will speak to U.S. Representative Candidate Lynette Grable about Grable's lifetime of serving others and how people are at the core of her politics. Executive Director Sarah Hunt speaks to Mary Haper, the chair of the Fremont County Democrats, about how a mix of digital communication, postcards, and in-person events are keeping Fremont County Democrats and the local county clerk on top of their game. Finally, two Cheyenne residents will explain why they are voting blue in 2020. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to Red State Blues. This podcast is a production of the Wyoming Democratic Party. And my name is Joe M. Barbudo, and I'm the chair of the Wyoming Democratic Party. And today I'd like to welcome my guest, Roger McDaniel. Roger's been an attorney, a state senator, a candidate for the United States Senate here in Wyoming, and helped lead one of the largest departments in the state of Wyoming. More recently, he's known as an author, a pastor, and a role I know he relishes, Grandpa. Roger, thanks for being with me today. Joe, good to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, as I was mentioning in the introduction, you're known for a lot of reasons, uh, but I, I first want to talk about politics. And, you know, what got you into politics in the first place? Was your family political? Is it something you pursued in school? What what gave you the bug? Well, my family wasn't particularly political, but um, I guess, uh, you know, it did start in school. I, I got involved in school politics and was the president of my senior class. And then... Um, in 1968, I met a guy named Tino Roncalio, who was a big influence in, in my life. And uh, as uh, I hope many of your listeners know, was uh, a Wyoming congressman for 10 years, the last Democrat to serve in Congress from Wyoming. That uh, that got me started. And you remember those days, 1968, 70, in, in that area was really the youth revolution. That was a time of uh, continuing civil rights. Uh, the war in Vietnam was uh, was a hot issue. Uh, the age to vote was lowered to 18. And so uh, young people all over the country were getting involved. And so in 1970, I decided to run for the legislature and was elected at the age of 22. So how did you make that jump? So you were in the state Senate this time, and, and when did you start thinking you might want to run for federal office? I guess it would have been probably about uh, 1978. Uh, you know, Malcolm Wallop had uh, defeated Gail McGee, and everybody thought Malcolm was um, a progressive or at least moderate Republican. He had run for governor in 19. 19- 74 on, on a very progressive, moderate Republican uh, platform. Uh, the environmental community lined up behind him, as did a lot of progressive uh, uh, Democrats. And so he defeated McGee in 76, and immediately he aligned himself with people like Jesse Helms on the far right of the Republican Party, forgot about his environmental uh, roots, and became something that I think surprised a lot of folks. And so it probably um, 
in 70, 1978 or 79, I started thinking about uh, running against him in 1982. I mean, because that's a, that's a really big decision. I mean, that's such a big commitment um, to make. So, I mean, what kind of interaction did you have with Senator Wallop at the time? I mean, because I, I look at now what's going on in Washington, and particularly with federal races, and it's so polarized and everybody's everybody's enemy, and it seems like running a race would be miserable at that level at this time. And I'm I'm really um, glad that Marav and Lynette are taking that on this year, and they're doing a great job. But it is such a – it's not only hard for the candidate, it's hard for the family, but what was it like back then to run for a federal office? Well, it was altogether different. Um, I, I do think that 1982 was a, um, a watershed year for Wyoming. Kathy Carpen was my campaign manager. During the campaign, we used to joke that this campaign will determine whether or not a grassroots campaign can overcome uh, a uh, campaign that is funded with a lot of money. And we proved it couldn't. Money, money started to become a big deal uh, in 1982. I, I raised and spent $452,000, which was the most ever spent on a Wyoming race until that year when the Wallop campaign spent something like $1,250,000. And what that kind of um, disparity allowed for was uh, really high-quality New York-style uh, television productions for commercials. Uh, you know, we were used to some of this sort of homespun stuff. Uh, in the McGee campaign, his campaign manager, Dick Cook, bragged that he did it all. They sent out somebody and shoot a few, shot a few hours of film, and then he pieced it together with a script. And then along comes uh, Wallop with the, these New York film crews and, and advisors and pollsters and He's able to afford this very specific technical polling to dig down really deep into what people were thinking. It was an all, altogether new game after that. It was primarily built around money. Well, that certainly hasn't changed. It's only increased, if anything. Right. Um, so I just want to jump gears a little bit because you've written another book that I liked very much, and I, I bet it's sitting on my bedstand right now even, and that's called The Sagebrush Gospel, which is kind of a contemporary twist on parables. And, uh, you know, your faith is, uh, you definitely wear it on your sleeve you, in in the last, oh, I don't know when you became ordained, but you're a pastor now at the uh, Highlands Church over there in Cheyenne. And so what I really want to hear, maybe, if you're comfortable talking about it, is how your politics and your faith interact with one another or influence one another? How, I mean, what? how do they work together? What does that look like for Roger McDaniel? Well, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, I often say that my working class parents made me a Democrat, but studying the Bible and particularly the prophets and Jesus made me a liberal. And um, my, you know, I when I went to seminary, uh, which it was way back in 1996, I graduated and was ordained in 1999. But when I got to seminary, I had this real superficial sense of Christianity and the Bible. And spending three years sorting through scripture and other writings and really coming to grips with what I believe and why, um, 
you know, I, I came to see that the defining events in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible were, were the freeing of the uh, slaves from Pharaoh and a constant reminder throughout the Old Testament to the people that this is a God who freed the slaves, a God who cares about the oppressed, and um, that uh, the way in which we behave toward each other should be based on remembering that that this is a God who delivers people from oppression. And then in the Gospels, the defining event is Roman oppression. And Jesus, who stood up to the Romans and stood up to others in the economic and social and political hierarchy of his day. And so it, it led me to a, an understanding of my relationship with God based on the idea that our purpose here is to make life better for those who are hurting. It's not about, for me, it's not about a personal relationship with Christ. It's about a relationship with Christ that leads me to do something in the community that makes life better for people who are hungry or homeless or hurting. Thank you again for being a part of this um, podcast. We're, we're enjoying getting to talk with folks across the state, and I always relish the opportunity to sit down and visit with you, even if it's kind of in this virtual space. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Joe. And, and when we get the church back open, I hope you'll come play piano again for us. Yes, anytime. You just name the date. <laughs> that, that'd be a good time. Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay Hanlon, and with me today is Lynette Grable, our incredible candidate for U.S. House. Lynette, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. The first question I have for you is just to tell me a bit about yourself. Where are you from? What did you do before you decided to run for office? What's your background like? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I am a full-blooded Native American woman. Um, my mother's tribe is the Northern Arapaho tribe of the Wind River Reservation in the heart of Wyoming. Um, I'm also Papa Lakota from the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Began my advocacy work in my community servanthood um, in California with um, some project outreach there. Um, I continued that work when I moved to Arizona. Um, and so I've kind of always focused on, you know, community servanthood and helping people. I know for a fact that's my purpose in life. It's something that I will always do um, is to help people and serve people in any capacity that I can. So this compelled me to start my own organization, which then helped families across um, Indian country. Um, I was delivering food boxes and um, essentials and uh, resources to victim services uh, for reservations that had those programs. I was a chair of the Arizona Commission of Indian Affairs when I lived in Arizona. Um, I've done quite a bit of lobbying on the state um, and federal level. Um, and I, you know, was a bridge maker for uh, in the country and tribes um, and those who work with others in the nonprofit realm um, and also in government offices. I like to think of myself not only as a, a public servant, but also a, a, a bridge maker. So with this really admirable resume, what made you decide to run for office? 
It's something that I thought about. Um, I felt confident that I am a, a people person. Um, I love advocating for people, obviously. Um, and so this is just another step of me advocating and helping people because quite honestly, I'm not trying to do anything new. I'm not trying to do anything that I haven't done before, which is helping people. And what issue, what kind of core concept or passion drives your campaign? I would say um, people. Um, I, I thoroughly believe that all policies should lead back to people, should lead back to the community. I believe that representation matters, that, you know, solid and honest um, representation uh, should reflect the voices and the people um, of the communities. And here in Wyoming, we're full of, of, of rural region and rural communities of farmers and hardworking people, just everyday people. I'm one of those everyday people. Um, I believe that everybody should have a seat at the table. And quite honestly, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm fighting to have a seat at the table so that I can bring others to have a seat at the table. You know, I, the core of my campaign and the core of my life essentially is, is people um, and getting the the needs that they need to live everyday life. Uh, final question for you. What have been some of the highlight moments of your campaign? Quite honestly, I'm a people person. Um, obviously, I love connecting with people. You know, I'm the type of person that, you know, has a, you know, full length conversation and a stranger in the grocery store. Um, actually, I, I just had one the other day. Um, there was a, an older gentleman who had flowers in his hand and I just looked back at him and said, well, someone's going to be happy tonight. Um, and so we had a great conversation. Um, and this is somebody who had a Trump hat on, you know, and, and so, I believe that regardless of what your party affiliation is or, you know, what, what neck of the woods you come from, you know, we're, we're all, we're all so much more alike than we are different. But, you know, even if there is differences, we can still be cordial. We can still be respectful. We can still, you know, um, have dignity for one another. Um, and so I think the, the highlight of my campaign has been people because, you know, for the last month or so, I, just about every week, I'm having someone new tell me that they are a Republican and that they're going to vote for me. Um, and again, it just goes right back to representation and it goes right back to advocating for everyday people. Uh, any last words or any last things you would like to say? I encourage people to learn more about me. I encourage people to visit my website, grableforwhy.org. Um, I believe in people. Um, I think my, my professional resume will tell you that, but also my compassionate resume will tell you that. I believe that we need to push forward. I need, I believe that we need to heal our community and heal our social divide. I believe it's going to take strong leaders to do that, especially when we talk about um, you know, folks in leadership in DC, it's going to take a lot of people to inspire a lot of people to bring us together because the nation that we're facing right now, that's, an, that's not the nation. I don't think any of us want. Um, I think we want our kids and our kids' kids to live in a community where we're not identified not only by our political party, but by our gender or by our race. You know, we want to 
I want to build a community and get back to a place where we understand each other and that justice, togetherness, unity, fairness, and human welfare is at the forefront of political leadership. And this is what I offer. So thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Lynette. You're listening to Red State Blues, the official podcast of the Wyoming Democratic Party. My name is Sarah Hunt, and I am the executive director for the Wyoming Democratic Party. Um, And I'm here with my friend, Mary Hapert. She is the chair of the Fremont County Democratic Party. Um, Mary, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Mary, why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on in Fremont County? Well, we are really staying busy over here trying to keep our uh, our Democratic registered voters in the know. We are sending out, uh, we have a MailChimp list, which uh, consists of over 450 Demo- local Democrats. And about once a month or more often right now, we send out a MailChimp and let them know what's happening and um, some information about who's running for office, who who we uh, progressives should support, um, that we need money for this, that, or the other. And uh, although we don't get a lot of emails back, we do get some. We do get some phone calls, and um, we do find out that they are reading it and they are getting information. So that's one of the things that we're doing. The other thing we just did is we sent out 3,000 postcards that pretty much uh, just say the general election is November 3rd, have a plan, vote early, call the county clerk at this phone number to um, to verify that you are registered and that you did request an absentee ballot. And then we wrote personal notes on these postcards saying, if you have any other questions, please call me. My name is, and this is my uh, personal phone number. And um, we found out on Friday when the postcards started arriving at people's homes um, that the county clerk was bombarded with phone calls referring (laughs) referring to a postcard. And we did have our return address on it, but people didn't, of course, always read that part. So the county clerk contacted me and said, did you send out a postcard or what? (laughs) Oh, so anyway, but she was okay with it. She said, just okay for people to double check that they're registered and had requested a ballot. So, um, so we ran out of postcards, and so we had to order more from USPS, and they'll be here Friday. And so we're going to do a second mailing of the rest of the 1,000 registered Democrats in the county. And um, But I've got teams all lined up, one in Lander and one in Riverton, and um, they just did a super job. So we're staying busy. That's amazing. You guys are doing such great work. Oh, thank you. We've had a couple of meet and greets. We had uh, one about 10 days ago for Marav, uh, Ben David, and Lynette Grable, and a few other candidates. And then we had another one this past weekend for um, school board and city council members, uh, candidates. And they both went well. Uh, We were able to raise a little bit of money for the candidates. 
And um, so that went well, too. I think they were very pleased, and um, it gave voters an opportunity to actually hear them speak uh, in a very informal, outdoor, you know, Wyoming windy setting. (laughs) I was able to go to the one with Marav and Lynette, and I have to tell you, it was one of my favorite meet and greets that I've gone to for a while. Like, the setting was beautiful. The people were awesome. Um, it was a really great way for people to get to know the candidate, which is exciting. Yes, I think so, too. It, it turned out much better than any meet and greet we've ever had, and which was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about the candidates that you have running in Fremont. How many do you have? And, and is there any that like you're really excited about or that people seem to be really excited about? Well, we're really excited uh, about uh, Kevin Wilson, who's running against uh, Lloyd Larson and District uh, 54. Um, uh, Kevin is a young man who uh, is just starting out and getting his feet wet with uh, being a candidate. He's doing very well. He's walking the pavement, knocking on doors. Uh, He's a veteran, and so he gets to talk to a lot of people that uh, especially men that, you know, really want to talk about the issues and what they need, et cetera. And so that's going really well. Um, he did a debate on um, County 10 a couple of days ago and was really uh, well received. There were a few technical issues, but that wasn't Kevin's fault. And um, so he's one that we're, we're really feeling positive about. And he's out there doing the, the legwork which is important. Um, And then we have um, uh, other, you know, city council and school board candidates that are very active out there. Um, And we've got uh, trying to help them a little bit by getting them a little bit of money so they can get yard signs. Yard signs seem to be um, what everybody wants. Um, And they don't get stolen. The Biden-Harris signs are getting stolen, but the others are not getting stolen. So I guess that's partly good. (laughs) Yeah, that is good to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I know that you have a county commissioner that's running, um, Polly Hines, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Yeah, she's a pretty exciting candidate. I do have to say I stopped by her uh, bookstore and um, it was amazing. It's my new favorite place in the entire world. <laughs> like on this beautiful farm at Sweetwater Station. And uh, I guess it's a ranch, but there's like sheep and you're greeted by dogs and cats and a goose. And it just, it made me so happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, Polly is awesome. I got, I've known Polly uh, just in town for years, but didn't, didn't have a name to a face. Um, and, but when, uh, you had that, the woman that was Kathleen Kirkpatrick, I think her name was helping us find candidates, Polly was on the list. So I just made a cold call to her and it was amazing because I said, you know, we could really use you. You're in district five. We need a new, uh, another person in the county commissioner's court. And, um, she said, well, you know, we talked for a while. She said, let me th- let me think about it and I'll call you back. So two days later, she called back and said she was in. And I was just so thrilled. And she is so thrilled. In fact, she was over here yesterday 
picking Rod's brain about um, uh, solid waste district and, you know, trash problems that we have here in the county and stuff. So she was getting up to date on that. And then there's a meet and greet just for her tomorrow night at someone's private home. And she um, are, is out there every single day, even though it's a trek to come from Sweetwater Station, knocking, knocking on doors and, you know, talking things up. And so we're very proud of her. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. Well, thank you. We appreciate you too and your staff. You're doing a great job. Uh, I appreciate it. We do have an amazing staff. So. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. My name is Mike Camber, and I'm from Cheyenne, Wyoming. I'm voting blue in 2020 because I feel the Democrats want to help the everyday people, not just businesses, and want to look for a way forward with Wyoming's future. I don't think that the Republicans have responded to the economic and health crises the way that they should. I'm tired of legislators just kicking the can down the road, and I want elected officials who actually care about people. My name is Nancy from Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I'm voting blue in 2020 because I respect our nation's veterans because I want to see the arts thrive in my local community, because I believe arts and education cannot be separated, because I believe politics should be about the facts and not about who can scream loudest, because I believe in candidates who are respectful of other candidates. I'm voting blue because my home state is on fire and the sitting president thinks it is the fault of the citizens because I believe healthcare is a basic human right because nine out of 10 of my friends have no health insurance and no access to it because I believe healthcare should be accessible to all. Because 200,000 Americans are dead from COVID-19 and it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way, and it doesn't have to stay this way. At the Wyoming Democratic Party, our staff, volunteers, and of course, our incredible candidates are working every day to make Wyoming a better place for everyone, to make Wyoming the state that we know it can be, a state that takes care of its people, a state that takes care of its land, and a state that takes care of its future. Thanks for listening to Red State Blues. Enjoyed today's podcast? It would not be possible without your continued support. To donate, visit yodems.org.